1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
0: They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. A 105 of or 7 of 5, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that?
1: It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every
0: Sunday morning till Cubs' first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what a about something like that? You better, you want to make this team. Connecting with you, the baseball fanatic. There's no crying in baseball, no crying. Hit and run on Sports Radio 670
1: The Score, 670thescore.com, and the Radio.com app.
0: Good morning, baseball fans. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Wishing uh, you who do not have your mothers today peace, love, and fond memories of your mothers. My goodness, happy happy Sunday to you. It's a glorious baseball weekend, even though it's mid-40s and rainy and feels very strange here in this town. But it's glorious because the class of the National League Central... The two teams who are the best, all due respect to the Cardinals, are here in town playing. And it's just, it's a lot of fun to watch these teams play baseball. It really is. In a 15-inning game yesterday, you saw a lot of good pitching. Saw eight shutout innings by a Cubs bullpen. Saw Tyler Chatwood join Mike Montgomery as the gravy, the obvious gravy of this rotation, both of whom... I've had tremendously important long outings over the last few days. And just the, the Brewers are so smart the way they play. I, I, must, I must respect the Brewers. Cub fans, you know you have to respect the Brewers. They jumped you last year. So now, the feelings are a little bit different than they were a couple of years ago. There is respect there is perhaps grudging respect, but you have to have it they They position themselves brilliantly on defense They are managed exceptionally well the uh, The impact of a former cub and Andy Haynes on the hitters can be seen. The impact of a former cub and Derek Johnson on the pitchers can be remembered, even though he 's not there anymore. They're just they're very, very well coached, and it should be even more satisfying for Cub fans if you indeed can win that division and take it this year. And the Cubs are still awfully good. What have they they won? Eleven of thirteen. They're still playing with the obvious contagion of a very, very hot baseball club. I'm sure Joe Madden thinks we're still in that other dimension, man. Still in that other dimension. And it's been very, very fun to watch. Good morning, everybody. It is Hit and Run. I'm Matt Spiegel. at 670. The score is 670. 11 is how you text us. My guy, Chris Kampka, will join us at 945 for Camp Connections. Statistical nuggets from the week involving uh, Cubs and White Sox. And then Bart Winkler is <laughs> going to be here. He's a morning host in Milwaukee, if you don't know, at 1057 The Fan and uh, Bart, I think, is driving down, which is awesome for Brewers and Cubs. And I don't know if we're helping him out with anything for his efforts in driving down, but we should have got him into a game or something like that. But you know, that's uh, that's the boss's problem. I'm I'm just looking forward to having him here and 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 talking a little little Brewers. Little Cubs with Bart Winkler. So that'll happen at 10 o'clock. In the meantime, and along the way, your phone calls, texts, tweets are not just welcome, but elemental to the completion of the broadcast. Dial it up at 312-644-6767. You can text me at 67011 and tweet me at Matt Spiegel 670. This hour of Hit and Run is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. We will talk about James McCann at some point because we have to, because he does absolutely everything that you'd want a catcher to do. And then on top of it, he's got an OPS over one here and it's May 13th or May 12th. Tomorrow will be the 13th. I'm I'm great at calendars and math and all that kind of stuff. But my God, James McCann, we have to take him seriously. He should probably play every day. He should probably stop playing Wellington Castillo. And then should you sign him? You got two young catchers at AAA who are dying to come up and contribute. But James McCann says, no, look at me. I have four hits in a game. I throw guys out. I back up bases on double plays. I do everything. I'm James freaking McCann. I make Ivan Nova look good sometimes. Whew. All right. I mean, he's demanding my attention, so I'm giving it to him. But attention for the Cubs and Brewers is a little more understandable on this weekend. This uh, this Tyler Chatwood fella, these four shutout innings, these four no-hit innings in relief, have to be taken seriously at this point. The Cubs have needed more bat-missers. And I don't know if you remember, like, week one of hit-and-run this year, I ran down what were some very obvious problems with the Cubs pitching staff that they just – they give up too much contact. They had given up too much contact. Not a – in a swing-and-miss league, it's not a swing-and-miss pitching staff. Well, it is a lot more of a swing-and-miss pitching staff when Tyler Chatwood is helping out with things, when Carl Edwards is coming up, coming back up, and doing what he's done so far. Getting two strikeouts yesterday, Carl Edwards in a uh, in a perfect eighth inning, and all of a sudden you look up here and the hard contact rate that has been a challenge for this Cubs pitching staff at times, they're eighth best in MLB, eighth best in MLB in hard contact rate. They are getting more swing and miss from the bullpen and Chatwood and from the bullpen and Edwards, and even without Brandon Morrow and without Pedro Strope, they're getting some stuff done. And I call them the gravy because they're not in your rotation. But, goodness, if you're going to get that from Mike Montgomery every once in a while when you need it, 71 pitches and five shutout relief innings on Thursday for Montgomery. And then Chatwood yesterday, 68 pitches and four, four no-hit innings yesterday. What a massive, massive story this would be, then, to have Chatwood as a uh, a possibly important high-leverage part of your bullpen and really to have starters 6 and 7 be those guys just just tremendous and and really you know a, a season affecting to have those guys be available to do uh what they have been available to do you remember in the spring when um, when Theo Epstein told you that they would just have to find six or eight guys to have real good years out of the 14 15 16 at their disposal well, here comes Xavier Cedeno yesterday and now on the team for today. He will be the 14th reliever used. Cedeno is here. They have three lefties now. Montgomery can do anything. Madden calls him that wild card. He can use him for a few batters. can use him for five innings every once in a while. Uh, Kyle Ryan can pitch to guys from both sides, expected to get ground balls, give you a little length if you need it. And then Cedeno is your loogie in – 249 games in the big leagues between 2011 and 2018. Sedanio, who was on the White Sox and on these Brewers last year, Sedanio has held lefties to a 583 OPS. 583 on the career. That's what he does. Last year, lefties hit 207 against him. I think it was 48 games. 574 OPS. He won't be expected to do more than that, that one tough lefty hitter every once in a while, but now they've got that in the back pocket. And we'll see. We'll see if he's a part of the mix or not. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. I've been very hard on Carl Edwards for the past couple of years. I have my doubts on, on him, severe doubts uh, on whether I, I could ever trust him, whether you could ever trust him, whether you should ever trust him. We know that Joe Madden will be relentless in his desire to, to find that Edwards that was here a few years ago that he can believe in. I have verbalized my doubts many times, but it's not like I'll be rooting for him to fail. Sometimes guys, you know, will come out and Radio Jim Oaks will come out and, 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 and you'll hear it in their voice. I've called people on it before where they're rooting for guys to fail so they can be right. I'd love to be wrong on Carl Edwards coming back and being a trustworthy guy in this bullpen. It would mean a lot to this team to have him. We'll see. We'll see. I believe in people's potential. You know, we work on stuff that we struggle with. If Carl Edwards is going to be able to be this guy and, and 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 find location and trust his pitches, then okay, all right, we'll see. I have trouble trusting him, but, you know, I'm not going to be rooting against him. That's pretty lukewarm, huh, my, uh, my stance here. It's, it's, I just have my doubts. Yesterday, you see what he did yesterday? It was all fastballs yesterday. 100 percent fastballs and a couple ticks off his usual what 95 96 he was thrown about 93 yesterday. I don't know if that's what he's going if that's anything uh, you know to, to notice in terms of consistency, but all heat yesterday was pretty interesting. I will allow for the possibility that he has grown and evolved, and, uh, and time will tell a perfect eighth inning for Edwards yesterday let's get to the moment of that ball game though yesterday because with two outs it made a lot of sense. With Cole Hamels on deck, it made a lot of sense. And because there were two outs and two strikes on Albert Almora, when he swings the bat, David Bodie is then running right away and on a little bloop double to right center that I think, I think had an exit velocity of 83 miles per hour. David Bodie comes all the way around from first. Here's what it sounded like on 670, the score. The 2-2. Lined in a right center field. This one will drop in for a base hit. And maybe more. Heading to third, Bodie. He rounds third. Here comes the throw home. Will he score? The slide. He is safe. Comes tie-up again. David Bodie with an outstanding slide. Head first, beating The throw. On the RBI double by Albert Almora Jr. What an awesome slide by Bodie. That was really fun. You think maybe he learned it from watching Javi. Actually, the way that he talked about it was that in 2013, Anthony Ayapochi was the hitting coordinator, but they were having a drill in spring training. This is how far back it goes for David Bodie, who's been with the org a long time. And he remembers vividly, he said this yesterday game. it's in Sahad of Sharma's piece on The Athletic, that Anthony Ayapochi said, don't just slide, slide to be safe. Slide to be safe he 's held on to that all these times, so here he is approaching home, and he sees that Yasmani Grandal has the ball. The throw has beaten him he 's like, all right, slide to be safe. What do I do? And the way Bodhi said it was that that 's just what his body decided to do. These guys are moving fast they 're really good athletes, so he 's like, "All right, I have to slide to be safe and his body decided to do that thing where he leaned to the left as he ran to the right and he dove down and got the right hand in there and slapped home plate. And that was just absolutely gorgeous. If, if you were worried and thought it was like a waving Wendell moment at third base for Will Venable, who had never coached third base before and was doing so in place of Brian Butterfield. Remember, like I said, in the leading up to the highlight, two outs, two strikes as well. That means that Bodie's running, but two outs, and Cole Hamels on deck means that here's, here's your, your calculus. Here's what you're thinking, is that the, that Venable is, is deciding the chance of a bad throw, even if the throw is going to beat him, even if you think the throw is going to beat him, the chance of a bad throw or an error or a brilliant slide are higher than Cole Hamels delivering a two-out hit in the next at-bat. That, that's what you're measuring. And it's absolutely worth the risk because getting that run home is right then or probably never. And because there's two strikes, Bodie is often running on the swing. He had a great jump, and they were aggressive together. That, that was an awesome moment. And then we waited 10 more innings and eventually got the walk-off from Wilson Contreras. The Cubs will uh, go for the series win, go to get two out of three tonight. John Lester, one run in 18 innings since coming off the injured list for John Lester. Daniel Descalso might be available as well. Uh, Finally, after seven games of being unavailable, Victor Caratini could be back sometime on this road trip, and that'll be welcome in terms of Contreras having the opportunity for rest. But Contreras said he was tired yesterday, but he was ready to keep going. And he hits the walk off in the fifteenth. It's a fun, fun series right here. And it's it's what it's supposed to feel like. I'm going tonight, looking forward to being there tonight for Cubs Brewers on Mother's Day. Yes. Uh taking uh taking the wife, and we'll celebrate Mother's Day with her. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Phone lines are open for you Cub fans, for Brewers fans, for White Sox fans, if you want to tell me that I should be talking even more, James McCann. It is hit and run on 670, the score. Had a cool interaction with a, uh, a former uh, White Sox. actually a former player for, I think, seven different teams. Hell of a player. Had a, a fun interaction with him that I want to talk about from during the week. And uh, Chris Kamka will join us in about 30 minutes for Camp Connections. Bart Winkler live in the studio in about 45 minutes. It's Eli Hershkovich's last day, which is uh, very sad but exciting for him. And we talk baseball with you on Hit and Run right here on 670, the score. Keep it right here.
1: We had to go. Uh, we had Monty real fresh, and then it was up to him. But he, was, he came out, and that first hitter that he uh, faced, I can see, really
0: good line direction with his body. I saw the ball coming out hot. And he had a nice way about him, for lack of a better term. He was just, uh, looked very confident to me. And he just proceeded. A couple walks bit him a little bit, but he puts the, he's putting the ball on the ground again. And that's that's the important thing. He puts the ball on the ground. you get two outs with one pitch, and he did that. Two outs with one pitch is always nice. That's Joe Madden from uh, Thursday in the postgame, talking about Mike Montgomery. It's 670, the score. It's hit and run. You know, keyword confidence, you got to be confident in everything, right? You, you function better when you're confident. You usually perform better when you're confident. Even just when you're decisive, make up your mind, go for it. There's so many things in baseball that come up that way. David Bodie was talking about how Will Venable, when he sent him, like he did it with conviction. He was just, he's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's just do it. You do it, and then, you know you find yourself doing the very best you possibly can. Your, your body makes crazy adjustments like David Bodies did. But when you're confident as a pitcher and you just go after guys and you know what you're doing, then you're dictating. And you should be confident merely because of the role. I mean, put your stuff aside for a minute. The best, best hitters in baseball are successful four out of ten times. The odds are on your side as a pitcher. Let the ball get put in play, even. You've got fielders behind you. Don't pitch scared. And you, Darvish, pitches scared. And it's bumming me out. Because we have now seen him go through all of this stuff last year. And I have, I have empathy for a lot of the stuff that he went through last year. And I've talked about it. and I have, And I don't want to be judgmental about a guy being sensitive. I've talked about that in those terms. He's, he's a sensitive guy. Okay, you have to deal with that and be open about that. Every time I talk about this, by the way, there's a couple of textures who say, Can we lose this narrative about Darvish? No, you can't. You know why? Because before he pitched the other day, and I was there at the pregame, Joe Madden was asked about the sensitivity and exactly those terms. And I didn't realize how often they're talking about it there in the Joe Madden pregame or the postgame. Joe, um, is, is that sensitivity still a factor with Darvish? And he said, less so, less so. Um, I, again, I still want him to pitch uh, more viscerally, is what Joe says. Just, just get ball, throw ball, be confident, believe in your stuff, and just throw it. Don't think quite as much. I mean, this is what they're talking about openly, what they're dealing with openly. And the problem is that Darvish is just not confident in the fastball. The fastball's where it all is, and he throws 97, 98, that four-seamer, and he just doesn't believe that he can control it. So then you know what he does? He doesn't throw it. More on that specifically in the last start in a second. But this is Jim Deshaies from earlier in the week. This is J.D. talking about Darvish and his confidence or lack thereof. I think it comes down to confidence. I think this is, And it's funny for a guy that they can dial it up there at 98, 99 miles per hour. I think he just lacks confidence in his fastball. He doesn't trust it. Falls in love with the spin, and, you know, that slider can be such a tough pitch to square up and understand why he, he really likes to throw that pitch. But, it, but it's tough to, to lean so heavily on one and, and allow a team, as Doug said, to eliminate the fastball. That's Deshays and and Doug Glanville in conversation. Um, and then uh, with Len Casper, obviously, they're talking about the confidence of Hugh Darvish. Here's what happened when you do what he did in the first inning the other day. You, you don't established the fastball. And I know he struck out two guys in that first inning, but he did not establish the fastball. He established himself as a junk baller with the opposition, as a guy who's just going to lean heavily on his slider and try to strike everybody out. You're establishing something. No matter what you do as a pitcher, you end up establishing something. So he establishes himself as a guy who's not going to throw that many fastballs. So even though they're swinging and missing and, and striking out against him, they're learning as a lineup that this is what he's going to do. That he is probably not going to throw you too many strikes, and he's not going to throw you the fastball too often. So when he does that, it takes him a while We know this. We know that it takes him a while to get comfortable with his release point and to be accurate with the fastball. And then when he doesn't throw it early, he then never gets comfortable with it, and so he doesn't trust it. So then later on in the game, when he has no choice but to throw the fastball, he's wild with it. Or he really still doesn't throw the fastball because he still doesn't trust it. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't believe you're going to be able to throw the fastball, so you don't do it, and then you never get a feel for it, and then you don't throw it later on and it is maddening he uh he walked a a 135 hitter walked the pitcher at one point walked six guys through 97 pitches and was done after four only gave up one run struck out seven guys but my god stop nibbling stop nibbling your stuff is too good and what's maddening is that we're this far into the man's career, and it's been a successful career. And we're now in year two of a $126 million contract. And he's healthy, and he's comfortable, and he's speaking English, and he's, he's done a lot of the work to get himself more psychologically comfortable. And, and here we are, and it should be time to reap the benefits of that. You've got a tremendous team behind you. An excellent defense behind you. Trust your stuff. Throw strikes. And he just won't do it. And everybody knows he needs to do it. It's just, it, it's, it's maddening to watch. It's got to be maddening to, to, uh, to play behind. It's got to be maddening to coach. And I heard someone ask Kevin Zipak, what, an hour and a half ago, how much longer do you throw him out there? Oh, every fifth day. You just keep doing it. You have to keep doing it. And you're fortunate that you have Mike Montgomery and Tyler Chatwood to back him up right now at this point. And you hope you can get five or six innings possibly out of him. Four is not enough. But you keep putting him out there and you hope it clicks at some point. And you keep telling him. You keep building up his confidence. You keep telling him. You can do this. You can do this. Throw your fastball. Trust it. It's good. Oh, that pitch is good. You, you find other ways, and that's on Joe. It's on Tommy Hottavy. It's on Wilson Contreras. It's on other teammates who might talk to him. Just try, do whatever you can to get in his head and make him trust his stuff. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz and the 17th-ranked Cats this fall at Ryan Field. Matchups include Ohio State and Iowa. Season tickets on sale now at NUSports.com. All right. So the other day I see this, uh, this guy in the, in the lunchroom at Wrigley. I see him there. I was like, boy, that is a strapping athlete. It's an older man. Mustache. Is that, is that Ellis Burks? Oh, yes, it was Ellis Burks. You remember Ellis Burks? Of course you do. White Sox fans remember Ellis Burks? I go up to Ellis and say, Ellis, you got time for a quick story? He says, yeah. I say, Ellis, I was a freshman in college, 1989. I'm in the Fenway bleachers, and you're out there. You're wearing number 12, and I'm trying to talk to you. I'm screaming at you, and I'm saying, Ellis, you're number 12. You're number 12. You're Bob Greasy. And he turns around. He looks at me, and I'm telling this to Ellis. You turn around. You look at me. You point at me. You say, no, I'm Roger Staubach. And I tell him that, and Ellis laughs. He goes, ha-ha, that's like me. That sounds like me. Oh, man, it's good to see you. Small world, small world, says Ellis. And I'm like, yeah, small world for you. You're a professional baseball player. Everybody knew you then. Nobody knew who the hell I was. And then I just happened to have a job that gives me the opportunity to be up here with you now. But small world for you. But I realize that joins a category for me. It joins a category for me of, uh, of, of players I once had an interaction with like that. And you bring it up to them later in life and kind of reconnect on it and they dig it. And I'm wondering if anybody's coming to mind for you on that, who you've you've had that interaction with. I'll give you one more for me. Lee Smith. First time I met Lee Smith at a Cubs convention, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. Met him in person. And I told Lee that same time period, I'm in the bleachers of Fenway, I'm in college, and Lee Smith used to walk out. From the dugout to the bullpen, every game during the fifth inning, he would walk, and he would walk really, really slow, just taking his time, making his way from, uh, from, from, from dugout to bullpen, crawling. And Lee would walk out there, and everybody in the bleachers would bow down, would genuflect slowly and go, Big Lee! Big Lee. And he would just walk even slower. Just take it. And I told him that I was out there. I was one of those guys out there doing that. And he said, you were one of my guys. Were you one of my guys? Oh, I love that. I love that. I used to walk slow as F. That's what he said. Lee loved that. So that's my category. I don't know what we call that. Like later run-ins. It's a terrible segment name. Um, camp connections and later run-ins <laughs> coming up on, on, on hit and run. It's later run-ins, um, re connection, re cheering. I like reconnections, camp
1: connections and reconnections,
0: <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I realize that's its own category. Like you get a chance to talk to somebody who you had a weird interaction with when they were a player and you're a fan and you see if they even remember it, you know? And, and so, you, anything come to mind for you, Eli? You ever, you ever have that uh, that experience where you used to yell at a guy from the stands, then you then you get a chance to meet him and you tell him because they love that because they're reminded they're reminded of that heyday of that moment when they were the king bleep of the universe.
1: Yeah, I would say I don't know if I was yelling at Nick Swisher when <laughs> when he was playing before the Sox, and then I met him when. He signed with the White Sox back in 08 when they went to the playoffs. Uh-huh. That was a cool moment, just because he was one of my grandpa's favorite players, even though he was not a good player. Uh, what did he hit? Like 30 home runs that he year. Was, he was a good player for a while. Yeah, solid, solid. Not like one of your grandpa's favorites. Yeah, for some reason, for some godforsaken reason. And yeah, that that was a cool moment to meet him and to <laughs> introduce him. And you know, my grandpa wasn't the guy screaming on, uh, at a player on the field, but. It was, it was fun to, to meet someone that my grandpa, idol, not idolized, but enjoyed watching. <laughs> if wow. you idolized
0: Nick Swisher. Yeah, this says a lot about your family history and, um, and what it's like to be Eli when your grandpa idolized Nick Swisher. Did he know about the blow-up doll in Toronto? No. Did he know? About- <laughs> he didn't. Did you ever tell him about that? Or you I, just- I think I left that out. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good move. That's probably a good move. All right, what, it, later run-ins. Yeah, and a horrendous, horrendous name for a segment, and that's not even a segment, but it—it's it, a category. It is something unto and of itself. And I realize I'm collecting those. I have those two. Uh I don't know if I—I I, I have the—the the first time I ever got to interview Jim Rice on the radio, I said I—I I told him the story. I said, Jim, I remember watching Monday Night Baseball in 1978 when you were dominating. You won the MVP that year. And that year, that Monday Night Baseball game in Kansas City, they went to a four-man outfield. They went to a four-man outfield against you because you were just absolutely on fire. And you doubled off the wall. And he said to me, you're not going to talk about the home run I hit that night? Not going to talk about the home run I hit that night? And I laughed and I didn't remember the home run, but you can look it up. That night, uh, on a Monday night in Kansas City in 1978, he had a homer and a double. And I think four Harvey eyes. But he loved it. And he remembered. So some of these moments that you think uh, you're the only one that remembers, some of these guys remember too. 312-644-6767. Your text at 670-11 as you uh, help me name this segment that may never indeed exist again. post Heckle reconciliation. <laughs> See, it was not even a heckle, right? It's just a, it's just a connection. There was a connection, a genuine connection that was made. And sometimes it was loving. Sometimes it was loving, and it was not a heckle in and of itself. Man, the uh, the White Sox textures are all over the, uh, the 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 James McCann stuff. White Sox record when James McCann starts a catcher: thirteen and eight. White Sox record when Wellington Castillo starts a catcher: four and thirteen. DFA Welly. <laughs> I mean, you might as well play James McCann every day. See what you've got there. He is a, He's a very good defensive catcher. He's, uh, even yesterday after a four-hit game, he's talking about, you know, still my job is to game plan. My job is to help the pitchers game plan and make sure we're doing that. And that is every catcher's job. It's, it's Wilson Contreras' job, too, even if he's got an OPS over 1.1. 1. 1. James McCann knows that's his gig and that's his bread and butter. But, oh, by the way, at 28, he's all of a sudden found something offensively that uh, we never knew We never uh, knew that was there. I don't think anybody ever knew it was there. I don't think James McCann ever knew it was there. I don't think he, think he had any idea whatsoever. But there it is. He's hitting three seventy six. and I think we have to take him seriously. Jose Abreu here in the final, uh, the final swan song of his White Sox career is on fire. He went 0-5 yesterday, but going into yesterday, he was hitting three seventy seven over the last 19 games. Six homers, eight doubles, six walks, 25 RBIs, 10 multi-hit games in those 19 games prior. But for the White Sox, it's about, this year is about the improvement of some young hitters. It's about Eloy Jimenez coming back. It's about Joan Moncada staying consistent after he's made a step forward. And it's really about finding starting pitchers. Finding rotation pieces. Who are they? Lucas Giolito gets another chance today. Coming off the 7.1 shutout innings his last time out. If you're going to be checking out Lucas Giolito today at all, or just kind of looking at the box score after, if that's how you roll, um, here's what, what you need to watch. Last time he threw 105 pitches, he threw four breaking balls. All day he threw four breaking balls. 101 other pitches were either fastballs or chains ups. That's it. Four breaking balls. I don't know how often you can dominate that way, but it sure is an interesting template to work from. And if you're Lucas Gilito, Lito, you found something. You found it. So do it again. Keep doing it until it gets scouted, until it gets countered. And then if they've scouted it, they've countered it and, and made the adjustment, then you can make an adjustment back. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes you think your stuff is just better than it really is. Breaking balls, if they're not snappy enough, if they're not doing enough, if they're not located perfectly, it can just be something that a guy who's usually late on the fastball catches up to. So good on you, Lucas Giolito. It'll be interesting to see how many breaking balls he ends up uh, throwing today. As you help me, um, as you help me name this, this, uh, this segment, from Brian and Berwin, let's call it, uh, do you remember that dope in the stands? That was me. Thanks, Brian. That is, It's getting right to the point. It's a little long. How about, how about, quote, I connected with you when I was nobody and I still am, unquote. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know if that's for me in particular or if that's just for all of us because, yeah, when Ellis Burke says, hey, it's a small world, I'm like, yeah, for you maybe. Fan follow-ups, recalling shared moments. These are all terrible. I'm embarrassed to be using these. Genuine connections with baseball legends. That's horrific. It's ridiculous. It's boring. I wouldn't listen to that reunited, and it feels so good, no, no, it's way too cheesy they're all too cheesy, maybe the segment in and of itself is cheesy, maybe, maybe, just maybe, just wait for it. I'm cheesy, it's possible. I can own that I'm not afraid three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven 6711, if you want to get in via text. We'll do Camp Connections coming up in a moment on 670 the score. And then Bart Winkler in studio for some Brewers Cubs talk. And Bart uh, has no idea that we have a, a, a deeply personal athletic rivalry on this very day. He has no idea. But I'll explain it. I will. The top of the hour. It's 670 the score. It's hit and run. Keep it right here. To right field. Down the line it goes, McKinney can't get there. It's up and
1: over, a double for McCann. Moncada will score, Rondon to third, and a four hit day in Toronto for James McCann tying a
0: career high. Highlight NBC Sports Chicago. He is James McCann. And you're not. He's making $2.5 million this year. He is suddenly arbitration eligible before next year and due for a raise. He's free agent eligible in 2021. He's 28 years old. He's never hit like this in his life. The OPS, his best year is 2017 in 106 games with 391 plate appearances. He had an OPS of 733. 733. Now it's an OPS over one through 23 games and 91 plate appearances. How is this possible? That's among our topics with our guy, Chris Kampka. You will read him on the Twitter. You will at C Kampka, And you will hear him right now on the hotline uh, right here on 670. The score. It is Chris Kampka at C Kampka, And he is the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. And he's back from London. What's up, Chris?
1: Hey Matt, how you doing? I'm
0: good, man. Welcome home.
1: I'm glad to be back. The food's much better.
0: <laughs> Why is James McCann good? What
1: what well, happened here? Okay, so so far this year, I guess you could point to the fact that he's punishing fastballs. Twenty for forty-five. He's hitting four forty-four against fastballs. thing is, he's hitting three hundred against everything else. <laughs> it's crazy. It's hard. It's hard to put this in perspective. Um, so, if you were to take the the batting average leaders and go down to 80, 80, plate appearance minimum because he doesn't qualify. He's a little bit short. Um, minimum 80 plate appearances, the batting average leaders are Cody Bellinger with 394 and then James McCann with 376.
0: Wow. It, it,
1: it's crazy. It, it, Even if you were to go, if you were to go, weighted runs created plus down to 80 plate appearance minimum. The, the AL leaders, this is the most improbable list, 219, Mitch Garver, 196, Austin Meadows, 185, 100 pence. 179, James McCann. And remember that 179 for later, by the way. Hmm. Um, But James McCann, if you go minimum 80 plate appearances, fourth in weighted runs created plus in the American League, he's punishing the ball right now.
0: Now, Chris, would you explain weighted runs created plus for some of our audience? Every once in a while, we should do this. Now, runs created... Is its own stat, but weighted and and plus takes in what ballpark factor and and, and what else?
1: Yeah, it um, yeah, it puts it on a level playing field. So, gotcha. you so one hundred will be league average. So essentially, what I'm saying, is seventy nine percent better than league average. Gotcha. It, it's, it's I think it's a good stat because it does take into account other things. It puts things on an even level.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, runs create, and runs created as a starting point um, is you take the opportunities, which is at bats plus walks, and you then take the total bases and, and and use those two together. But the weighted plus adds ballpark factor and also adjusts it versus league average. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
1: exactly. Okay, exactly. Park factor plus weight um, plus league average. So it's a good way to look at it rather than just saying you know when you're looking at extreme park factors or, you know, from year to year, things are going to fluctuate greatly. So if you look at this, you can say 79% better league average, which translates to any year. Um, But there's a few other awesome McCann things. Um, So against starting pitchers this year, 55 plate appearances, 294 with a 345 on base and a 529 slugging, you'll take that all day long. But when the relievers come into the game, 36 plate appearances, He's hitting five hundred, five twenty-eight, and seven thirty-five.
0: Against relievers.
1: Yeah. So, you know, keep the stuttering as long as you can against this. <laughs> he's got three he's got four three hit games in his last thirteen starts. Last year, White Sox catchers as a whole had four three hit games all year long.
0: Unbelievable. And
1: the Sox are twelve and eight when he starts a catcher.
0: Oh, I, so, I, 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 mean, I got a, I got a thirteen and eight from a texture. Is it possible that's up to thirteen and eight? But either way, well, it, there's a,
1: yeah, there's a, there's one game in there that either he didn't start or he started at DH, okay. and that's what's causing it 13-8. But if you look at games where he started as catcher, it is twelve and eight.
0: Okay, amazing. Uh, amazing, unreal. It, it, it really is. And you know, you're supposed to find the occasional jewel in a rebuild because you're, you're scrambling and you grab these like, you know, the piecemeal free agents or the four a guys or, you know, and you see what you can find. So, so, so why not, why not? And, and maybe, right. maybe something has clicked with a specific hitting instructor within the system. Maybe something has clicked for him in terms of confidence. Who knows? Uh, so, you know, ride it. Why not? And you got a couple more years of salary control.
1: Yeah, no question. Will it last like this? Probably not. But you have to appreciate what he's done yeah. and think that, hey, maybe he has figured something out. He's going to be better than his, you know, his career tolls have looked so far.
0: Yeah. All right. What do you got on the flip side uh, for the Cubs? The Red Hot Cubs have won 11 of 13. They're in first place by a game.
1: Yeah, they have the best record in the majors. If you go from their um, um, home opener on, they have the best record in the majors by two games over the next team. Hmm. And if you go by the next best team in the National League, they're four and a half games better than the next National League team from April 8th on, wow. which is pretty incredible. And how are they doing it? Well, over that span, they have the best ERA in the majors, 2.41. The next best is 3.17. That's a considerable gap. Hmm. Furthermore, they've allowed only 20 homers over that span. The next this is 25. So they're doing it with pitching, but then again, look at the role that Bryant and Rizzo have been on. Okay. Bryant and Rizzo started the season, um, let's see, it was the first 16 games of the year. They hit a combined 193, 329, 345 with four homers. In the last 21 games, which is Chris Bryant's on-base streak that's going on, they're hitting a combined 289, 427, 651 with 13 homers, 37 RBIs. They've been on base 82 times over the last 21 games combined. So that's that's two times a piece, pretty much, hmm. for both of those guys. And they are carrying the team. And that's not even to mention the fact that Wilson Contreras has already matched his home run total from last year, 10 home runs, and he has a 179 weighted runs created. Plus, it told you to remember that 179. Third in the majors among all qualified players, behind Bellinger and Yelich. So, oh, and wow, that's what he's doing that. So yeah. that
0: it's Bellinger, Yelich, Contreras with WRC right. plus, and that 179. So, and it's the same as James McCann. So Wilson Contreras is as good as James McCann on some level, right? He, and that, and that's
1: a that's a big compliment, <laughs> right? Yeah, <You> say, <laughs> yeah. And and he has ten home runs, including that walk off yesterday. So that gives the Cubs a trio of 10 homer guys, 37 games. Wow. And do you remember the last time the Cubs had three 10 homer guys through their first 37 games of the season?
0: Boy, that's a great question. I'm going to go. No,
1: you no. well, no, you don't because it never happened. It never
0: happened. It never, they never had three 10 homer guys through 37 games.
1: No, they Th- haven't. They have had two, but not three.
0: That, that is awesome. That is, yeah, I, I might've guessed that that's, that's tremendous. Uh, Chris Kampka, you are the best. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago. What's your next broadcast over there that you're a part of?
1: All right. Well um I stumped him. <laughs> no, you know, you can't stump me. All right. So today we've got <laughs> We've well, got the uh Chicago Cubs. Oh, okay, yeah. No, we don't. Just kidding. No, no we don't. No, we don't we don't have a game today. Oh, okay. um, but
0: um, it's an ESPIT game tonight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. There's no game tonight. That's why I didn't write it down.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: right. but, I mean, well, the, Stay tuned the, for other
0: games. The, stay tuned for other games is an excellent <laughs> plug, and I will make sure the questions get easier as the weeks go along. Um, but, Chris, you're the goods. Great stuff, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. You got it. It's Chris Kampka at on the Twitters. I should know better. I should know better. Yeah. Um, tonight is the game at 6.05 for Espen time, and I'm looking forward to being at the game just so I don't have to listen to A-Rod. I really am. You know, I, I've, I've gone through a cycle in my life with A-Rod. I hated him for his entire career. Uh, and then I suddenly liked him as a broadcaster on Fox when he's doing pre and post. And it made me uncomfortable how much I liked him. And now I'm back to disliking him as he's doing color on ESPN. And that feels a lot more comfortable. And that's what it's about, folks. It's about my comfort. The text here at 67011 uh, have been enjoyable as people keep trying to name that segment, by the way. uh, Speaks, why don't we call it Then and Recently? That's terrible. Here's another one. Once Upon a Heckle. That's also bad.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Uh Uh, Then this guy says, Why don't we call it another cheesy segment with Matt Spiegel? No, it's not personal. Thank you. That's from Mark from Winfield. And then I love this one. Just randomly, I got this one. Spiegs, I cleaned you out at the horseshoe. I slow played a set. Thanks for that poker memory. Yeah, it's happened. (laughs) <laughs> I had those moments. Hey, is that Matt Spiegel? Oh, I just cleaned him out. Camp connections and poker memories. Yeah, right. Exactly. See, you stay here long enough. Eventually you'll have a show full of cheesy segments. Speaking of a show full of cheesy segments, they, he does a morning show in Milwaukee. No, I, see, I don't even know. But Bart Winkler does the morning show in Milwaukee, Chuck and Winkler. And he was kind enough to come in and be my co-host for the next while here on Hit and run. Brewers Cubs with Spigs and Bart Winkler next on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.